0: The Gospel of Luke and chapter 22. And we want to read together verses 7 through 16. Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 16. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Let me ask that we pray once more together. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that now as your word is opened up and it is preached that you would open our hearts and that you would open our minds and that you would teach us the truth of your word. We pray that we would be receptive and we pray that we would allow your truth, your word to have full reign in our hearts to expose sin, to elicit faith, to point children of God to Jesus Christ, the Savior. We pray that you would do this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, This week, for the next four weeks, we're going to be taking a break from our normal series in the book of Ephesians. Uh, This morning, I'd like to give a special meditation in light of the fact that we'll be taking the Lord's Supper together, and then the next three weeks, we'll have uh, a three-week Advent series to commemorate the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Uh, I did send out communication this week over email, next week, we'll have... Uh, a special message uh, surrounding uh, the message of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, specially accommodated for children. I hope that those with children will be able to attend and be at that service. And I hope that you, brothers and sisters, are praying for that time and praying for the kids of our church. But this morning I'd like to meditate on a particular facet or angle on the Lord's Supper upon observance of communion. I'd like to consider this morning uh, the subject of the Jewish Passover. Uh, The Jewish Passover, Jesus said, as we read a moment ago in Luke 22, that the first Lord's Supper was indeed a Passover celebration. Jesus himself earnestly anticipated and looked forward to and desired to take that Passover with the disciples. And so I'd like to go back to Exodus chapter 12 this morning, and I'd like us to consider the Passover event. And in so doing, I hope that it will uh, help us to enrich our faith in Christ and our participation in the Lord's Supper even today as we celebrate it together. So let me ask that you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. With the background of Luke 22 in our minds, please turn to Exodus chapter 12. And we want to read the recounting of the Passover event. And in fact, to set the context, we want to read a few verses actually in the preceding chapter, <laughs> Exodus 11. Verses 4 through 9, and then we'll consider the account in Exodus chapter 12. So, Exodus chapter 11, verses 4 through 9, you remember uh, perhaps the background. God has heard the cry of his people Israel, who are in the land of Egypt. Uh, they have cried out to God, asking for deliverance, that he would fulfill for them the promises that were given to their forefathers. And God hears their cries and He sends His servant Moses. And Moses is there as a prophet of God to bring the people of Israel out from the land of Egypt and into the Promised Land. And God uses Moses to bring about a series of wonders and and plagues upon the land of Egypt. And even some of you children might remember uh, the plagues in the land of Egypt. There were frogs sent upon the land and locusts and great darkness and the rivers were turned into blood and a, a number of other plagues that came upon the land. Well, in Exodus 11, we have the record of the last plague, the last wonder that God is going to send upon the land of Egypt. Follow along as I read, please. Exodus 11, verses 4 through 9. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that I will go out. And he, that is Moses, went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you. So that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Okay, so now before we go into Exodus chapter 12 and to actually consider the institution of the Passover, all I want you to see at this point is that the Passover itself was instituted in the context of impending judgment and impending wrath that was coming from God. That's the context, the surrounding context in which God is going to institute through Moses... The institution of the Passover. Now, follow along as I read Exodus 12. We want to read verses 1 through 14, and then we'll, we'll go on to a later section in the chapter. Exodus 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood... And put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Now I know we're reading a lot of verses, but let me ask that we read nine more, beginning in verse 21, when read 21 through 28. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves, according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised you, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. The people bowed their heads and worshiped. And then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded them, excuse me, commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. Five things I want us to see here, five elements in this Passover event that will, God willing, enrich our observance of the Lord's Supper today and hopefully every time that we take the Lord's Supper. Five elements here in the Passover event. Notice with me first, the provision of atonement. The provision of atonement. Look again at verse 21. Then Moses called the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. And verse 23, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. First of all, we have here in the Passover the provision of atonement. Atonement. The idea of sacrifice, the idea of substitution, one life for another. The idea here in the Passover event is that the Lord is going to come. He's going to pass through the land of Egypt, the angel of the Lord, or what's called in a couple of the verses, the destroyer of the Lord. He's going to come and he's going to execute judgment. And and death, bloodshed, is going to visit every single house, both the Egyptians and the Israelites. The only difference with respect to the Israelites is it's not their firstborn son that's going to be killed. It's a lamb that's going to be killed in their place. Judgment's coming. Wrath is coming. Slaughter is going to visit every house. But for the Israelites, it won't be their precious children that are killed, that are judged. It will be a lamb that is substituted in their place. A sacrifice, a provision of atonement. And the way this destroyer, this angel of the Lord, is going to behave is that he's going to come through the land of Egypt and he's going to see on the doors the blood of this lamb. And that will satisfy him. And he will move past. That will be atonement. That will be covering for all those who are in that house. And the Lord will not permit the destroyer to go in and to bring slaughter in that house because slaughter has already taken place. There has been blood that has atoned for that household. Secondly, notice with me, we've seen the provision of atonement. There is also in the Passover the promise of deliverance. The promise of deliverance. Look with me, please, at chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. The Lord says, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Not only will the Israelites be spared death. Not only will they be spared the intrusion of the destroyer, the angel of the Lord. Actually, in the history of Israel, God uses the Passover event to bring about salvation and deliverance for his people. This is actually the means by which God's people will finally get out of bondage. God uses this great judgment, this great plague that comes upon the land of Egypt to actually free His people from their captors, from those who have enslaved them. And so it's through the Passover event, not only are they spared death, but they are brought out of bondage. And they're on their way to the promised land. Salvation and deliverance is brought to the Israelites in the Passover. Again, we see this verses 26-27. through The scene that's envisioned is that in generations to come, children are going to ask their parents, Why are we doing this? Why are we observing this memorial, this feast? What, What does all this symbolize? What does it mean? And what are parents supposed to say to their children? Verse 26 And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? A question perhaps some of you have been asked by your children about the Lord's Supper. When your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? you shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Supper. For kids, he passed over our houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. Kids, God brought salvation and deliverance. That's what we're commemorating and celebrating in this Passover event. So we've seen the provision of atonement, the promise of deliverance, now thirdly, the practice of faith. We could say the exercise of faith, but that doesn't begin with Uh, The letters P-R. So we'll say the practice of faith, okay? To keep it a little more memorable. The practice of faith. Please look with me at verse 7 of chapter 12. Notice the Israelites were required to do something. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. Now look down at verse 22. Take a bunch of hyssop. And dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. I want you to notice that the Passover event required the exercise of faith. It required the practice of faith. And you say, How so? Where do you see faith in this passage being exercised? Well well, it was not as though the Lord just said to them, This is what's going to happen, don't do anything. They were actually supposed to evidence their trust in the promise of God by actually taking that hyssop, dipping it in the blood, and putting it over their doorpost. And in so doing, exercising faith that, yes, we trust the Lord's promise. I mean, think of how foolish and ridiculous that must have looked if there were maybe Egyptian guards walking by and they see these Israelites painting blood on their doors. What in the world are you doing? It was to show they actually believed the promise of God and they were going to exercise faith that the Lord would... Deliver them. God is promising salvation and deliverance for the Israelites, but only to those who exercise faith in actually doing as the Lord has said and putting the blood on their doorposts. If you were an Israelite and you did not do as God had said, your child would have been killed just like the Egyptians. They had to exercise faith, and faith came to expression in doing as God had said and putting the blood on over their doors. They had to believe God, trust God that He would fulfill His promise. There is faith exercised. There is the practice of faith in the Passover event. Now, fourthly, notice the presence of symbolism. The presence of symbolism. Look with me at verse 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Very simply, this blood of this lamb was to be a sign. It was to signify something. It was to signify atonement, sacrifice, the appeasement of wrath, salvation and deliverance. There was a sign that was given and every day thereafter... And the Israelites would celebrate and commemorate the Passover event. There was to be these symbols that were there to commemorate this Passover lamb and the way in which God worked to bring about deliverance. There's the presence of symbolism. And now, fifthly and finally, notice the principle of memorial. The principle of memorial. Look with me at verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Look down at verse 17. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. We've already seen... There was to be those days where they'd celebrate this and the kids would be there and they'd wonder why are we celebrating this particular event and they would educate their children as to what this symbolism meant and what this event meant. This was to be a memorial. They were always to look back and remember this event whereby God brought salvation and deliverance for his people and they were to observe this memorial every year. And they were even to tell their children about it. It was to be a means of pointing them back to the ways that God had worked on their behalf. And in so doing, to enrich their faith and to encourage them in the way, looking back at God's deliverance. Okay, Those are the, the five things I wanted us to see in the Passover. Now I want us to transition here as we come in a few minutes to approach the table. I want us to think about the Lord's Supper. Can we, now why on earth consider this somewhat dark and troubling and mysterious Passover event. We're New Covenant believers. We come this morning to celebrate communion and to take it together and to meditate on Christ's work for us. Why think about the Passover? Well, for two reasons biblically. Luke 22, which we read at the start of this sermon, what does it say? It says that the Lord's Supper is to be understood as the Passover event, the fulfillment of the Passover event. And Jesus himself calls it the Passover And he says to his disciples, when they gather for that first celebration of the Lord's Supper, I have earnestly desired to take this Passover event. So presumably in their minds is all this background information about the celebration of Passover. This event in which God came and judged the Egyptian people, but brought about salvation and deliverance through the substitute of a lamb, through a sacrifice that was made. All this forms the background Of the Lord's Supper and would have been on all the minds of those disciples there in that upper room. But there's even a more important reason why I want us to meditate upon the Passover as we approach communion. And that is because of what 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 says. There it says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed. Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed we don't appreciate the Passover, that statement's unintelligible for us. But Paul wants us to know Christ is our Passover lamb. And he's been sacrificed for us. Now think about this with me. Everything that we saw in the Passover is also contained in the Lord's Supper. Those five characteristics that I pointed out, let's think through them. How about atonement? In in the Passover, there was this provision of a lamb. And His blood was going to satisfy the wrath of God and He would be uh, pleased to cover up that particular house and not allow the destroyer to enter in. What about the Lord's Supper? Do we celebrate the atonement that Christ has made on behalf of His people? The appeasement of God's wrath that Christ has made? It's been said that Christ in many ways is almost like a human shield for us. He covers us. God is pleased to look upon His sacrifice. And therefore, God's wrath and judgment is satisfied toward our sins, brothers and sisters. If we sinned against God, God is pleased to look upon the Lord Jesus Christ as an atoning sacrifice. He's our Passover lamb. And so God sees His blood. And He won't allow judgment to come to our souls, to our house. How about salvation and deliverance? This is plainly obvious, right? We celebrate in the Lord's Supper the, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ by which we have salvation and deliverance. What do the Scriptures say? We have redemption by His blood, the forgiveness of our sins. And so you should think this, as you see that cup that symbolizes the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's by His blood that I have salvation, that I'm delivered, that I don't have to be judged, that I don't have to be condemned. There is salvation and deliverance in our celebration of communion. How about the practice of faith? The exercise of faith? We saw in uh, the Passover that they were to take the blood of this lamb. And they were to appropriate it to the door of their house. What does Jesus tell his disciples? Take. Eat. This is my blood. This is my body. This is my blood. We've often said this. One of the reasons why when we celebrate communion, we, we have you know, those who are believers come up and partake is that we're symbolizing the act of faith, of laying hold of Christ laying hold of His sacrifice, taken. It's a sign of the exercise of faith that I embrace the sacrifice that Christ has made by faith. And just as those Israelites had to believe the promises of God that He would bring about deliverance by taking that blood, that that bunch of hyssop, and dipping it in the basin and putting it over the door, so we take to ourselves the blood of Christ, figuratively speaking, symbolically speaking, in the Lord's Supper. It's an act of faith. And what do we say when we take the Lord's Supper? We proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We say, I believe this. It's to feed my faith. This is to help me to meditate and to believe the gospel. It is a gift to our faith. How about symbolism? This is obvious. Uh, the blood was symbolic. It was a sign for them. Well, obviously, we have symbols here. These are only symbols. We don't believe this is the physical body and blood of Christ. We have uh, uh, the cup and we have a loaf of bread. But there's that symbolism that's to call to our minds an actual historical event, an actual physical body, actual physical blood. And uh, that symbolism is to enrich our experience of the gospel. And then fifthly and finally, we have the idea of memorial. Just as the Israelites were to regularly celebrate the Passover event. They were to look back on what the Lord had done, the means by which He had brought about salvation and deliverance and freedom from their bondage. Is that not exactly what we do in the Lord's Supper? We look back on what Christ has done. And we celebrate the freedom from our bondage to sin, and our bondage to death, and our bondage to hell, and our bondage to Satan. And we celebrate the life that we have in Christ. This is a memorial event by which we call our minds to what Christ has done in his sacrifice, and it is to bring about in our lives, in our hearts, a living encounter with the living Savior. Now, there's one one more thing I want us to see in both events, and I want to do this by means of an illustration to help us, first of all, into the Passover event, but also into our observance of the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask you to use your imagination, okay? And kids, you could enter in on this, Okay? Uh, I, I trust many of you are old enough to know about Moses and about the plagues and about the Passover event. So use your imagination with me, okay? Let's imagine two men. We're back in Exodus 12, okay? Two men, they're two Jewish men, and they're slaves, and they're oppressed by Egyptian masters, and we'll call them uh, Joshua and Joseph. And here they are in the land of Egypt, and they're, they're working that day under their Egyptian taskmasters and the Passover is supposed to be celebrated that night Uh, Moses has already talked to the people he's told them what God has said he's told them about this this event that's going to take place and the means by which the Israelite homes would be spared and here's Joshua and here's Joseph and they're working out in the field Okay, and uh, maybe they got their Egyptian overlords riding around on horses supervising their work and Joshua is next to Joseph and he says, Joseph, come here uh, so what do you think about this whole, this whole Passover thing? I mean, I mean, all that Moses was saying about the destroyer that's going to come, and, 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 and the firstborn children are going to be killed, and this idea that sacrifice a lamb. And, I, mean, I mean, this is really scary stuff, dark stuff. I mean, who could take this? this is, I'm kind of stressed about this. My wife is all anxious, and she could hardly look at our firstborn son. She's so worried. And Joseph says to him, well, I don't understand, Joshua. What are you worried about? What's the concern? I mean, Moses, Moses told us what to do, right? You've gathered all the supplies. You have the hyssop, right? And you've, you've killed the lamb and, 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 and you've measured out your door and you know exactly what you're going to do and the feast is going to be prepared. Your wife knows to prepare the feast. It's, it's all made up, right? Joshua says, well, well, of course. I'm not stupid. Of course I did all that. Uh, but, 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 but still, I mean, who could stand this? This is judgment coming and wrath and this great darkness. I don't know, I'm struggling with this. I don't I really feel comfortable about all this. This makes me a little, little uncomfortable and queasy. And then Joseph says, "Well, not me. I trust the promises of God. He will judge the gods of the Egyptians. He is the Lord. He will deliver his people. We're trusting in His promise. Now imagine with me that Joseph, excuse me, Joshua and Joseph go home that night. And there they are in their homes. Let's first go to Joshua's home. And there he is with his wife and his little children. The Passover meal is prepared. The blood of the lamb is on the door. And Joshua, is, he, he just can't even speak. He's trembling a little bit. He's contemplating this awesome prospect of what's going to happen. And there's some fear and there's some trepidation in his heart. And he and his wife can't even look at their firstborn son to contemplate even the possibility of judgment that might come. And perhaps Joshua's wife is fighting back tears, and they observe this whole Passover meal, they don't say a word. And then afterwards, whereas they normally would have played a game, they decide they're going to send the kids to bed early. And as Joshua's firstborn son is going off to his room, he says, wait, wait, I want you to sleep with mommy and daddy tonight. I want you to come into bed with us. And so Joshua clings to his son, and all night long, he holds on to him. He doesn't sleep a wink. Now let's go to Joseph's house. There's uh, Joseph and his wife and their kids. And they're talking and they pray together. And they're worshiping God together. And they celebrate the Passover. And they're just glorying in the promises of God. And they have family devotions together after the Passover. And then they play some family game. And, uh, and then it comes time for them to go to bed. And uh, Joseph takes his firstborn son, tucks him in, gives him butterfly kisses, prays over him, and then he goes back to bed with his wife, and, and they're just out like the light. They don't wake up once during the night. And then the Lord comes at about midnight. He sends the angel of the Lord, the destroyer, and he passes through the land of Egypt. And a cry goes up such as had never been heard before nor ever will be heard again as judgment comes upon the land. And then the morning comes. Now whose son died? Joshua's or Joseph's? Neither one. Neither one. Why? Well, because it's not the strength or the clarity of your faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith. It's the blood. That's what silences the accuser. That's what gets you through the night. That's what allows you to wake up spared, singing songs of salvation and deliverance and marching into the promised land. And listen, brothers and sisters, that's what will get us through the night. It will be the blood of Christ, our Passover lamb, who's been sacrificed for us. And some of you may go to your dying bed still struggling and working out your faith. And and there may be tinges of doubt and anxiety. But it's not ultimately a matter of the strength of your faith. It is the power of the blood of the Lamb. And that's what will get you through. That's what will cause you to awaken in paradise. When all sin and death and wrath and Satan himself are finally gone. And you are in the presence of Christ forever. It is the blood that will get you through. The only thing that matters for each and every human soul in this room is whether or not you have the blood. And if you have it, if you've appropriated by faith the blood of Christ, our Passover lamb, over the door of your heart, God will be pleased to look upon that and be satisfied. And He will allow no plague to befall you. No death to destroy you. No judgment, no wrath, No condemnation. He will be pleased to pass by. And so I have to ask each each and every one here. And you children, listen to me. Do you have the blood of Christ, the Lamb, over the door of your heart? Have you believed upon Christ, the Passover Lamb, the great Lamb, to deliver you from your sins? Do you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? If you confess with your mouth, if you repent from your sins and trust in His promises... Through His blood, you'll be delivered, you'll be spared, you'll be saved. And listen, it's not a happy prospect, but I feel compelled by this text to share it with you. There is coming a second Passover event. God is going to come through the land again. He's going to come with judgment. The destroyer is coming back. And my friends... I am duty bound to assure you that he will behave in precisely the same way that he behaved the first time around. Upon all those who do not have the blood of Christ covering their sins, he will come in and destroy and judge and bring about punishment. But wonderfully, for all those who have the blood of Christ over the door of their hearts as it were, who are clinging to the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, who are trusting in His blood to satisfy the wrath of God. He'll behave precisely as He did before. He'll look upon that blood and He'll pass right on by. He'll be pleased to guard you, to spare you from wrath and judgment. And you will make it through the night, make it through judgment day, make it through death itself, and you will awaken. What will that be like? To awaken in the presence of Christ. To know that you've made it through. Sin is gone. Death is gone. Satan is finally defeated. You can enjoy paradise forever with Christ. Last thing I'll say, this blood is available to each and every one who's here. If you have never believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've not trusted His promises, if you've not seen the threat of impending judgment and taken the blood of the Lamb that is the Lord Jesus and appropriated it over your heart, believing by faith that He can save you and deliver you by the sacrifice of His Son, well, if you've never done that, I invite you to do that today. If you're not a Christian, in a moment, I'm going to talk about who should take the Lord's Supper. But if you're not a Christian, we want you to observe and to see in this celebration of communion, atonement and salvation and deliverance and exercise of faith and to meditate upon what these things symbolize and to ask Christ that God would be pleased to look upon His sacrifice and to pass you by in that judgment day. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Let's pray together. O oh, great God, it is altogether a terrifying thing, an awesome thing to consider, how you've worked in times past, and this morning as we've looked at the Passover event, to contemplate the impending judgment of God, and to by faith lay hold of the means by which you would bring salvation for your people. It's hard for us to even even transport our minds to that situation. And yet, Lord, we are in a very similar situation But the stakes are far higher. Uh, We are in that situation with greater prospects before us. The coming judgment of God. And yet the free offer of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. By which we can be delivered and saved. And enter into the paradise of God. We pray that each and every one here. Would believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And complete on that great and final day when you do come again that they have put their faith and trust in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice and glory in the fact that you have provided a way by which we can be forgiven our sins, where our, our past records and our failures and our weaknesses and our transgressions can be covered up, can be atoned for through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a provision of your love for us, and we thank you. We pray that each and every human heart here would know something of that sacrifice appropriated to their hearts. May you scatter across the doorposts of our hearts the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Amen.